and how do you assure them that it's their story, their sacred, sacred story will be told in the most authentic and truthful way. That is a, that is a hard call and you just have to be yourself and talk to them and maybe show your, I show my movies if they want to. So they understand that, that we're in this together. This is not my movie. It is their story, but it's our movie. Thank you and welcome back to Mindful Warrior Radio. Mindful Warrior Radio is a space we created to connect with incredible humans, to share brave stories, authentic insight, and real knowledge. We are happy to have you join us. My name is Cami Craig. I'm a former elite athlete, Olympic champion, turned performance and culture design coach at Mindful Warrior, and I'm your host of Mindful Warrior Radio. Today on Mindful Warrior Radio, we welcome award-winning film director, screenwriter, and producer, Michelle Ohan. Using the power of documentary film, Michelle's mission is to give voice to women, children, and people who do not have access to platforms to express their voices. Michelle feels she serves as a loudspeaker, amplifying the voices that are already there but not yet heard. Michelle is impacting change through her courageous work, and I look forward to tapping into her insight and experience. I'm thrilled to invite Michelle on today's episode of Mindful Warrior Radio. Michelle, welcome. It has been an absolute privilege to learn more about your career as an award-winning film director, producer, screenwriter, and learn how you have been amplifying voices for others that don't have the access to platforms to do so themselves. The work that you are doing is impactful and it's courageous, and it is an absolute honor to have you on Mindful Warrior Radio today. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a nice introduction. Made my day. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So I think my, my, naturally my curiosity goes to wondering, did you find film or did film find you? And how did your love begin with film and why? So I always thought since I was little, I thought I was going to do theater and I would gather the kids around the block and boss them around on stage and write a play and invite the neighborhood. And that's what I thought. And right out of high school, maybe even during high school, I got a job at the Jerusalem theater. I grew up in Israel and I was working as a receptionist so I could sneak in at night Um, I didn't have money to buy tickets and watch the shows, whether it was a play or an opera or dance. I just, I was hypnotized. And so I had six months between high school and the army. You have to join when you're 18, not the minute before. So I was looking for an internship and my mom, who was a facialist, said to me, you know, I have a client who is a film editor. She works at the Israeli television. Do you want to intern there? And I said, yeah, sure. So I walked into the editing room. She was an editor, my, my boss. And at that time it was still film. And I watched her make magic. And at that time we were syncing still, you know, uh, audio and video. It wasn't like today where it's all integrated. And I just was blown away. And my theater went out the window and it became film. So as soon as I finished the army, I registered and hoped to enter the Tel Aviv University, very, very new film school. And, uh, and I did. And uh, we were only 10 of us who, who started. Our teachers were basically two years older than us. It was a very young industry. Um, but I spent four years there and I've been making movies ever since. Isn't it incredible how those types of things kind of connect with us and all of a sudden that love is born and your craft has been developed over so many years. It's incredible that you have found what you've loved and kind of blazed the trail through that and been able to carry it from then till now. Yes, totally. And it's, I think that's a, a rarity. 
It's also, you know, for me, uh, the medium and the platform is really interesting because it involves technology as well as storytelling. And it's obviously, you know, has more dimension than theater. Uh, you don't have the immediate or instant gratification, but you have more time to really craft your frame. I also studied photography. Mm -hmm. So for me, composition is very interesting and, and important. Even in documentary, we don't have time to really set the camera. It's, you know, it's unless it's an interview, right. things happen in front of the camera. You don't always have time. But if you have a DP that has the eye that you hope they have and they're in sync with your eye, then it, you still are able to compose a beautiful frame and not just run around the subject and capture whatever comes, which I call vacuum cleaning. This is not filmmaking. <laughs> it's just, you know, capturing whatever. But, but we are a little more craft women than that. Outstanding. So you, you have this craft of filmmaking and you have this incredible ability to advocate for others um, and to amplify the voice of those voices that have always been there, but not have had the opportunity to be heard. And when I think about the leadership and the skill that it takes to be able to advocate for others. I get really curious of how was that developed within you? You know, I feel like there's usually like a very, there's a fire that burns within and kind of a clear purpose and mission that comes along with advocating for others. And not everyone has that ability. And I think, you know, we evolve to get there or we experience things to have that kind of develop within us. So how is that a part of you? How did that grow within you to, to have that desire and skill set? I think my, my real passion is, is to give a voice and you always have to find a personal connection to that voice that you're trying to amplify because otherwise you're too detached. I'm, I'm only talking about documentaries, of course. Mm -hmm. And so for me, growing up in Israel had its own challenges as an immigrant and an immigrant from North Africa and integration and class and status and uh, a lot of issues that I had to, to, to overcome. And so I always felt that as an outsider trying to be inside, as I call it, the kitchen and not outside the house, I wanted to invite other people to to the kitchen of the world, and that's was that was my biggest motivator. It, it was my own experience and my own struggles and pain and courage, I guess, uh, that I have inherited from my parents to blaze through all that and to show the world who you are and what you're made of. Yep. It wasn't always expressed this way, but the encouragement was definitely there. And so it's not like I'm looking always for that group or people to say, okay, I want to advocate, advocate your, your cause. It kind of comes to me and it calls me. And if it doesn't leave me for a few weeks, then I know I got to pursue it. Because mm. there's a lot of stories out there and how do you choose, right? Mm -hmm. My scale, my uh, kind of pendulum is how long is it going to stay in my mind at heart or is it just an overnight flirt with the subject, right? right. Is it a one night stand or is it uh, a love story? And after a few weeks, if it's still in me, then I start doing deep research to see, first of all, if I have access Mm -hmm. to the subject? Am I able to establish the level of trust that is needed for people to tell me their story, not as sound bites? This is not news, but really deep, deep opening of the heart and, and, um, and their secrets. Yeah. And once this is established and they, you know, establish trust, then I go to the next level of how are they in front of a camera? Are they able to express themselves freely? Will they be able to eventually not notice the camera and just be themselves? Because mm -hmm. we're going to be with them hours and hours, days and days. So all of that kind of nurtures the first desire and calling to pursue a certain subject. And mm -hmm. to me, yes, it has to have a 
social justice element, even if it's not a huge amount, but something that is worth going through the two years process at least to make a feature doc. Right. Right. So there's a lot of factors involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. Can you think of like a significant moment where your craft of filmmaking and your ability to advocate from your own experience and your own heart and desire where they met and kind of intertwined? Or do you feel that your craft of film really brought your ability to advocate out of you? Like, you know, did they come alongside of each other or intertwine at one point or did, you know, one come and then bring the other? How did that work for you? I think it's a, it's a complicated question, but I think for me, uh, I always had a strong sense of justice. And so when I feel that something is not right, then my whole body starts to act up. Mm -hmm. And it taps into the injustice that I felt growing up in this new country, which I love, but has its own issues. And so it is intertwined because that's the driving mechanism to see if I can repair even a teeny bit by telling the story, creating awareness, and maybe drive people to take action or change their lives in, in, in a certain way or look at a different perspective. It's definitely intertwined. However, the moment I start filming, I have to put an armor on because it's not about me. Mm. It's about me until a point where I find my subject and then the torch passes to them so they can tell the story in their own voice. And I never, ever use my voice or... or imply my voice on the story of course i'm subjective because i'm putting the camera here and not there and i'm choosing a certain angle and i'm choosing a certain frame so obviously it's subjective no illusions here no if anybody tells you documentaries are objective it's just not possible but i put an armor on because a i'm an empath so i absorb a lot mm. of the emotions that or in front of my camera, and I have to be careful because otherwise I wouldn't be able to function. Mm -hmm. And second, there is always a tendency or a desire to jump into their lives and go, I can fix it. I can fix it. You know, like when I was doing a film about homeless women who lived out of their cars mm -hmm. called It Was a Wonderful Life, there were moments where me and my little teeny crew were like, okay, we can take her home for the night. She doesn't have to sleep in the car. She's 50, 60 years old. I want to give her a bath and I want to give her a meal and I want to give her a hot, you know, whatever warm environment in a bit. But then the voice of reason taps in and goes, no, now you're interfering with their lives and changing the course of the reality. And that's no longer, you know, true, authentic filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Because how, how often do you have a filmmaker come into your life and offer you a bit? That, that's just not realistic. So it's a hard, hard choice sometimes to make, to not take them in in any shape or form. And also, on the other hand, sometimes you feel like you're invading someone's privacy. You're in their homes. Mm -hmm. You're literally inside their head and their hearts. And it's always a very fine line. Mm -hmm. And that's where I call in my sense of integrity and, and trust that we have and kind of hang on to that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I love this idea of this armor that you put on and I'm curious about what is it, what really builds out that armor for you? So I'm hearing like a bit of perspective holding and boundary holding for you and the individual in which that is, you know, or individuals that are involved in what you're filming. Um, but I think a lot of the voices and the stories that you are sharing, you know, really kind of show the dark underbelly or the challenges that we're facing in society and in the world at large. And, you know, hearing you like I'm an empath, right? And I can't absorb all of that, even though I'm working really closely with it and want to shed light on it and give it voice and give it a platform to have a voice. So what would you say are other things that your 
armor is created out of to help kind of protect you, keep you at your best so that you can do such important and courageous work. I think, you know, we're all kind of living in a world where a lot of these things are really hard to wake up and face each day. And we have a responsibility to have elements of our own armor so we can show up. So if you could kind of deepen that just a little bit, I would love to hear. Sure. So one way or one part of the armor is experience. And doing this for so long, I I heavily rely on intuition, first of all. Uh, But the experience is my support system. Mm -hmm. So um, if I see that I'm getting too emotional, I fall back on the tools that I have. And I, that helps me kind of step back and, uh, and do my job. And just being a professional is really your, 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 best, your best armor. I also, um, I also understand what I'm here to do and it's not going to help anyone if I am, you know, falling apart. Uh, and and sometimes it's inevitable. You know, I was shooting um, a, a documentary in South Central Los Angeles after the riots called Color Straight Up. And I spent three years in South Central identifying the kids and a year just gaining trust because, you know, I'm, I'm white, I'm Jewish, and I'm coming to a neighborhood that has been really um, oppressed and violence-ridden, and how do I get into the heart of teenagers who were in gangs? So that year was really just to build trust, and through the trust, the armor was created. But I had to first take the armor off to be vulnerable, to understand what they're going through, to meet their parents, to meet their grandparents, to meet their brothers in jail, to their sisters in rehab or whatever, and be vulnerable. And also I was an, kind of an exception that I did. I invited the kids I was f- going to film uh, into my home. And that was a major breakthrough because, you know, how often kids from South Central are invited to some Hollywood Hills house mm-hmm. to open open doors and open arms and food and play and fun. And, and that was really meaningful to them that I was able to not just step into their homes in the projects, but invite them to mine and meet my kids. And so sometimes you have to make an exception and take the armor off so that you are also vulnerable. And so, 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 so they understand they're not, I'm not here to exploit, but I'm here mm-hmm. to take their pain and use that to tell to tell their story and create awareness and make it accessible to people through emotions. So it's a long answer because the armor has many layers. And of course, the other layer is I'm, I'm also a very rational person. You know, I have this very yes. two sides that are pulling in both directions, very emotional and sensitive and intuitive. And the other one is technical and rational and professional. So I, it's a battle and I have to know when to use which one and how do I combine it once I show up on set. But what I wanted to tell you about, and this is why I mentioned the South Central film, is one day I told the kids I was filming, if anything happens in your life outside of the time that we're actually there to film, let me know. Please call me. Let me know. And if I can, I'll come film. So Queenie, one of the girls, called me one day. I was on my way to interview her, and she said, I can't do the interview today. And I was like, what do you mean? I have a crew. And she said, I can't do the interview. There was a drive-by. My neighbor was shot, and we're going to the funeral, 16 years old. And part of me was like, okay, well, then I'm not going. And the other part was like, no, I have to be there. I have to be there. That's the reality of their lives, you know? So... I asked her if she could ask permission from the mother if I could film. And we had such a strong relationship between me and all the kids by then in the group um, that she she felt comfortable asking the mother if I could film. And surprisingly, she said I could. So we went down to film in Watts and found ourselves Mm -hmm. the only three white people in church where there was, you know, a ceremony for this kid who was laying in the casket. 
prematurely. And it was so emotional. Uh, it was my first encounter with death, even though I didn't know the kid, but it could have been, you know, my child. And, and it was so emotional. We were all literally crying and the lens was foggy. The DP couldn't see anything anymore. It was just beyond, you know, painful. And so those moments, there's no, there's no point putting an armor because the reality is so heavy and so in your face that you just have to surrender and say, I'm human and this is not acceptable and I need to show this to the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's quite beautiful how you explain there's, there's two sides of you that play tug of war of, you know, this emotional, empathetic, and I mean, really, it's probably what makes your work have the feel and connection that it does with its audience. And then there's this professional, and I would even say like kind of warrior spirit spirit within you to kind of drive this work to get in there and get gritty and cover some of these stories to be able to share them in the way that you do. And that takes it I, when I'm thinking armor, I'm thinking warrior, I'm thinking, you know, mindful warrior, here's a beautiful blend of, you know, what we represent here on our end. And I, I absolutely can, can feel the, the value of that balance in, in what you're doing and how you're showing up. And I think even your connection to your intuition of making that call in that moment and having enough repetition and opportunity. I loved how you said, you know, a lot of it at this point is just experience. And when you say that as being younger and building in my own career is like, if you want to go be great at something, go fail right? You know, if you, if you want to earn the experience to have an intuition that's really dialed in, you've got to go out there and use it over and over again and learn from when it leads you astray and when it's spot on. Right. So thank you for sharing. I know I, I want to say, I don't see those as failures. I see it as part of the journey uh, to success, to just uh, make mistakes or make decisions that at that moment you thought were right, but the next moment don't seem so right. And that's okay. And I love the analogy that you mentioned, the mindful warrior. I know this is what you're all about, the company, and it is. And mindful here has two strong meanings. Mindful meaning using your mind, but mindful is also with caution. And when you go to a neighborhood like Watts, you have to be mindful both physically and mentally. It's very sensitive. And yes, you are a warrior. And in this case, my weapon is my camera because when I am behind the camera, I have zero fear, zero fear. It's amazing how it happens. And when I went and just approached gang members and my crew was like, are you absolutely out of your mind? We're on Grape Street. This is like Crips and Bloods. I'm like, no, but I want to hear the point of view. <laughs> And they were like, you know, gangster land. And I came to them and I said, you know, we're making a positive story out of South Central. This is not the, you know, the usual press coming to just film the bloody streets. This is a positive story. It's kids who are actually making it out of gangs and into college through the performing arts. And they talked to me. And while I was a warrior, I also was very mindful of, you know, protecting ourselves, the crew but also sensitive to their voice and what they had to say. So I appreciate the analogy. I'm yeah. sure as an athlete, you had those voices going like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to my body? You know, why am I torturing yourself? But then there is this other side that says, I have to do this. This is not up to me anymore. Right. So same. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, uh, it's it's interesting. I think you know I've I've had the honor and the opportunity to compete in the Olympic finals, which you know from the outside perspective looking in, it's like the most terrifying, intense, nerve wracking moment that you could probably be in. Mm -hmm. But I can really come alongside of you when you say like, you know, I'm in that that position at that point, and I'm fearless the training has happened, the awareness is there, you're present, you're in tune, you know, it's just time to do what you're, what I feel I was born to do and what I was deeply prepared to do. And there is a lot of risk in it, 
Um, and there is an element of unknown outside of what we did have control over. But that's when, you know, you really lean in and you trust that that intuition and, and the work that you've done. And exactly. it's really cool to hear you say, like, the camera's up. I'm fearless. I'm just locked in. And, and to me, I'm hearing, Michelle, like, you're game mode. Like, it's go time. You know, it's it's time what you were meant to do. <laughs> it's showtime. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. It's exactly right. Yeah. Last year you produced and released an incredible documentary called Strip Down, Rise Up. And it shares stories of women using movement through pole dancing to reconnect with their body, sensuality, and heal pain and trauma. And these were incredibly intimate and personal stories. And here you share of, you know, building trust and connecting with the individuals in which you're sharing the stories about. And you use the word integrity. And so I want to revisit that and ask you, how do you carry the integrity of the stories in which you are sharing? Because you kept saying there's a fine line there and there really is. It takes a really deep awareness and, and a, an incredible skill set, I would imagine, to walk that line and hold these stories with integrity and safety and position them in a way that's in, in the best light for the individuals and the message you're looking to get across. So can you share a little bit about that process with us? Yeah, well, it, it starts and ends with trust, first of all. And creating a safe space uh, by having, first of all, a very small crew walking around because we were filming 12 hours a day and women were becoming very vulnerable and sharing. And you don't want to have 10 people in front of your face when you're trying, you know, to go through, first of all, go through your own journey as, as, as the character in the film, but also having sometimes a meltdown or whatever, wherever that journey takes you, you, it will never happen if you have a small, a big crew in front of you. So that's just a rule for me to have a small, small team. Also uh, trying to be invisible when I'm in the room. So they let them and give them the space to do their thing and the way they want to do it without me, forcing uh, my camera on a certain situation or whatever. Having said that, I have to be extremely alert to, uh, if you saw the movie, there's a lot of people in the room and you don't know where it's going to come from and who is going to have a breakthrough. And so I have to have eyes everywhere and be there and show up with my camera right at that moment and make sure I, I capture it because it's all great. But if it's not on camera, no one is going to see it. So that's the biggest challenge. I have to be so alert and focused. I literally, after a day of shoot, I literally just collapse because <laughs> my senses are so heightened. The integrity comes from within. You know, I think people sense that I'm not here to make fun of them or tell a story that's untrue. I am after the authentic and the authentic comes from them. So I encourage them to tell their stories in their own words, in their own details and emotion. And what's amazing is when you have a camera, it enhances everything. I, I've seen it over and over again. When I do a pre-interview, it's interesting, but it's not the same as when you have a camera. And all of a sudden, I think most people who I filmed feel that they too are on a mission that it's not just mm. their story, but now their story is going to be magnified. Their story is going to be available and exposed to the world. And they are taking that responsibility upon them to, to allow the world to see them and to see their story and have others identify and see and say, oh, you know what, this, this could be me. And they, so the integrity is passed on from my team to the subject, from the subject to the other subject around them. And it just becomes our own safety, truthful, authentic place where you walk into and out of. And, and that is a very interesting and cathartic process. Uh, you know, I filmed this, this women, of course, one of them was a gymnast and a victim of Larry Nasser's abuse. And so she has lost connection to her body 
because of his doing and she was there to try to reconnect and she was only in her 20s to reconnect and find a femininity that was very painful the realization that almost every woman in the room has been raped at some point in her life was very painful and many of women in my crew we were all women crew i had nine women all together at not always at the same time they had we had also gone through our own endeavors and so it was very hard to put an armor on and some of my women had walked had walked out of the room my team they couldn't they couldn't handle it but i also filmed you know holocaust survivors who are have gone through major atrocities and how do you assure them that it's their story their sacred sacred story will be told in the most authentic and truthful way that is a that is a hard call and you just have to be yourself and talk to them and under, maybe show your i show my movies if they want to so they understand that that we're in this together this is not my movie mm-hmm. it is their story but it's our movie so it's a very complicated and sensitive Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, in hearing about your kind of research and pre-interviews and building this trust and really, you know, recognizing if the individuals in which you're interviewing are in a position to show up authentically and share that truth and really give their stories up to serve, you're looking and sensing for that authenticity and I guess I I'm curious of How does your authenticity behind the camera play a role or influence or impact their authenticity? How do you guys how do you play off of each other in that way or dance in that way? It's a good question. I think that I'm very straightforward. I speak my truth and I tell them, you know, this is what I hope we can get to and this is where I I I I hope that I can come to your house outside of the studio, the dance studio I was filming. and film with your children but if you're not comfortable obviously you don't have to i i try to involve my subject as well as my team of course in what it is we're trying to achieve and what is the end goal why are we doing this film for who mm-hmm. what i think they can get out of it what are the risk of being exposed to the world it's all laid out on the table there is no big secret and so the i think that makes them feel comfortable that i'm not hiding anything that i'm not like trying to get something that they don't want to share or i'm very straightforward and uh, right. i also tell them if if it's not comfortable going there don't go there maybe we choose another time to go there but it's rarely happens that they back out i mean maybe even never because once they committed and they on the path they see also the rewards of it for themselves it's a real like i said it's cathartic and it's healing and sometimes we're all stuck in a mode or in a like or how people see us or how we are supposed to behave because that's what we did all our lives and why change it now right this way of filming gives an opportunity to change your ways uh, because now you are rediscovered um as a as a as a character in in a movie that is going to be shared and you have an opportunity to be everything you wanted to be or everything you were afraid to be and just put it out there and that takes a lot of courage and those women in strip down rise up had that courage to say you know what i'm a widow I have zero happiness. I can't even listen to the music to music anymore. My husband died, etc. But I'm going to join this pole dance class. Uh and even if I can't get on a pole, I'm going to do what I can and move my body in a sensual way so I can reconnect to who I am. It's a huge step. She couldn't even get out of bed. Let alone dance. Yeah. So this is her journey and uh, I'm there to capture it encourage her maybe keep her gently on the path and this particular woman would call me after hours and say Michelle I I don't I don't know I don't want to live anymore I don't know how I'm going to continue this and I would have to you know lift her up and elevate her and help her show up again 
I, I watched the documentary last night and I will tell you, I was like in, I was bawling. I was in tears and connecting to, to <laughs> what you had created was just, it was beautiful and impactful. And the stories that you captured, I mean, it really, it was truly, truly felt. And so I'm connected in, in what you're talking about right in this moment. And just again, it is incredible to me the amount of connection, awareness, relationship building, trust, like this, these kind of hyper like spider senses that you have to be in. And I heard you when you said, after a day of filming, I collapse. You're exhausted. And how could you not, as you're pooling kind of all of these different uh, abilities mm -hmm. and skill sets and awarenesses and senses out of yourself. And I know that you have a history as a yoga teacher, a yogi, not only being a creative and a film, you know, maker, what have you learned about healing and health through kind of all that your life encompasses? So in order to balance this, this work, which is, as you said, very demanding in so many levels, I needed some kind of spiritual practice. I was always athletic. I always danced. I always moved, but it wasn't enough. I, it was just a workout. I needed something more than a workout. And I literally stumbled upon yoga when I was pregnant. I did some prenatal and I was blown away by the possibilities of yoga and med meditation. I've, I've done since I was 16 years old. So I knew all about meditation, but moving my body in that way was in the way of the yoga way was, uh, was life-saving. And every time I was in anxious or stress, stressed out, or just going through hard patches, my math and showing up to class, I used to go to 6.30 AM classes in my studio and seeing the same faces of crazy yogis like me who stand on their heads at 6.30 in the morning before, if, before coffee <laughs> it was very reassuring. It's like, okay, I'm not alone. There is a reason why we're here. And if we don't heal our bodies and mind, there's, we, you just get depleted and very fast in this world because you always have to push yourself. And in being a filmmaker, you're, you hustle all the time. You have to hustle to get the story and to get the rights. You have to hustle to pitch. You have to hustle to get a team. You have to hustle to sell it. Then you have to hustle to get in a festival and then you hustle to distribute the film. It's endless. Mm. It's endless. Mm -hmm. it's, it's eating all of you. And that was my way, speak of armor, that was my way of protecting myself and my body from falling apart. I am, yes, I'm a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. And to me, it goes hand in hand with filmmaking and expression. Uh, you can express yourself through your body. And this mindful movement, which is very different than, let's say, weightlifting or, or aerobics, it's very alignment-based. And when I say alignment, it's not just physical alignment, but you really internally align your body and your mind. And um, I come out of a class, if it's, especially if, it's, if I'm really into it and I'm not distracted by, oh my God, I haven't done this, or I have to do this. Or um, I come out of a class completely focused. And, you know, they say that the busier you are, you're the best candidate to actually do this, the busier you are, the more you need it. So those who say, oh, I don't have time, those are the ones who actually need it the most. And I want to encourage people to find that way of healing uh, through body and mind and recovery rather than just be part of this race of, you know, how many repetitions can I do? And, whoa, look at the muscles that I grew and all that and be in a less competitive environment unless you're an athlete and really experience this movement as a community and even competitive athletes as as you know do yoga for flexibility so that the the hard impact of whatever sport you do falls and lands gently rather than you know break something uh, so yes, I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in in meditation also as a way of healing 
both mentally and physically. It's proven that ailments can be at least um, eased upon uh, with meditation and, and thoughtful focusing on your breath. We forget to breathe. We breathe. We breathe all the time. But we forget to really breathe and to listen to our breath because this is the one thing that keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. All of us, we, that's what we have in common, the breath. And we take it for granted, but it's something that can really calm you down and focus you and just sometimes take a pause from this rat race and just listen to your breath for five minutes. I guarantee it's going to be life-changing. Absolutely. I can come alongside of you as, you know, 13 years with the women's U.S. water polo team and transitioning into what I would call civilian life, right? What is normal? What is body movement for me now? There's no way I could train seven hours today by myself at the level that I did. You know, it took a certain group of women and a coach leading us on a pool deck, but it's been really interesting you know, how am I, how is my movement changing and how am I maintaining this? You know, we did a lot of like, you warm up for your workouts and you cool down and you recover and you eat and you sleep. And it's this whole package um, that allows you to be at your best. So when you're in that kind of grinding or, or the grind of training, that you can bounce back and come back again. And I'm hearing so much of this kind of start a warm up, a drop into focus and recovery. I just think recovery is something that we overlook or rush through or don't even give it the space that we need in our life because we're just on to the next thing or we don't care for our recovery. And there's an importance in that to be able to, to wake up each day and get after it again in that, in that recovery element. As women, we're such givers as mothers and daughters Mm -hmm. and wives, we give a lot. It's just in our nature and we need to replenish and having a community where we all replenish together, whether it's men or women, is um, really magnifies the, the recovery and the healing. And it's we should start thinking that self-care is, is a must. It's not a luxury. We really need to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. And uh, whether it's our children or our parents or, or our partners, there is no way we can just keep giving and feel guilty when we have a moment for ourselves. So if, if, if they are women listeners down the road, I want to encourage all of them to, to take a moment for yourself and take that time to just pause. And uh, men as well, of course, but you know, it's, women have certain jobs <laughs> that were assigned to us some of them we can't change. In finding this balance of being able to recover and be able to show up again and again in the work that you are doing, I would imagine with some of the topics you're covering, the stories that you're sharing, that you feel resistance or pushback or challenge at times. And I'm curious of what kind of drives you through those? How do you gracefully or not gracefully get through some of these resistance or pushbacks? Like what keeps you going um, in in feeling some of these challenges? And maybe the challenges are, are within. It may not just be specifically in the project. Maybe the challenges that you're facing are, you know, blocks or ruts in creativity. But what kind of keeps, I, I can hear the recovery element, but what then gets you back on the track and, and driving? Back then, when I when I started out here in the United States, I was you know an immigrant, but women were not really in the helming position. There were very few directors, female directors, and uh, it was really a push for me to to show that I can be as good as the guy next to me. I had to be better. And I had to show that I can be better. So it was, it was, I was definitely a warrior. I had to use any weapon in my, yes. in my tool box to, to push through. And I'm not going to even begin to tell the stories that of, of that part of my life, which is absolutely ridiculous how I had to, you know, prove myself, but I did. And, um, 
one thing I want to emphasize is I never, ever felt like a victim. I just thought that those people are ignorant and they don't understand that we women have the same talent and ability to tell a story and to be on set and to run a set. And yeah, maybe we have to go to the bathroom more often, but that's literally the only difference Uh, because, you know, the rest is the same. We are sensitive, if not more. We know how to do action movies. We We know how to work with actors. So that took a big decade out of my career to just, you know, go through that. Now it's different. Now, you know, it's much easier for women. In fact, we're more in demand. So for me, it was, I have a thing where people say that I can't do it, that I'm going to just do it. Uh, I don't know if it's an authority thing. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, watch me. And I'm just driven way more when I get an unreasonable rejection, listen, if somebody says it's not a right fit, okay, I get it. It's not a right fit. But when it's just, I can do this. I know I can do this. And just because I'm a woman, I can't do it. That, that doesn't fly with me. I just have to push through and blaze through. And if I lose the battle, I lose the battle, but I want awareness and, and, and maybe I made a little difference in their mind. So that's a big driver. The other thing that drives me is since my kids were born, they are old now, older, not old, they're 29 and 24, is to make a better world for them. And it's it's hard mm-hmm. and it gets harder every day. But I also want to tell stories that I can be proud to show them and not shy away from like, you know what, don't watch that movie. It's not, eh. I have never had to sell out and do junk films and I am not I don't do many many movies and thank God for Netflix they are a huge supporter of my work and financiers and they know when I come to them with a story it's something worth maybe at least listening to that has merit that has quality that's about real people that's unique maybe it takes a stereotype like the pole dance that everyone thinks is a strip club activity but really isn't necessarily it's a, a great deal of it is sex work and very much appreciate that too. But there's also a part that is a healing part. And they were, Netflix was very open to telling that story. So it drives me to break stereotypes. It drives me to kind of unveil a curtain that's been there for many, many years and go, well, you think you know what this is, but you really don't. Have you ever tried to dig in? And on a personal level, I learn a lot. I learn a lot about people and about behavior. And many times it it makes me feel so grateful for the life I have and blessed for the life I have. And I learned a lot from the the Holocaust survivors that I filmed. They were in the 90s and they were, you know, it was a love story. It's called Steal a Pencil for Me. They fell in love in the camps. And that sustained them throughout these horrific circumstances. But I learned from them that every moment is a celebration, every moment. And it's not a cliche. It's really like they were enjoying their cup of coffee and they were enjoying the little details of life. And we're like, after the big things, whoa, you know, I want to get an Oscar. And I want, it doesn't matter. I mean, I was blessed. I was nominated for an Oscar and it was wonderful. Believe me, I would definitely want to have that. But it's not defining who I am and, Mm -hmm. uh, and my mark in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So the drive is to make a difference that I can point to and say, you know what, I can't heal the world, but I can I can do my share and I can contribute. And uh, money is not a driver for me. It's really a good story and a meaningful story. Beautiful. One last question I want to ask you as we get to the end of our time here is, what might you share with the youth today who are developing their own voice and learning how to amplify it? Are you talking about filmmakers or in general? I would say in general, because I think your reach is far beyond just filmmakers. I think in in general, what might you share with the youth that are developing their voice and learning to amplify it? I think the first thing I would say is trust your voice. Trust your voice, have confidence in what you have have to say. 
stand up and be loud. There is no point in having a voice if you can't hear it. So you, you got to make people hear you and know that you exist and you have an opinion and whether they agree or not, you define yourself and, and you do not want to go unnoticed in this world. So start paving your path, not necessarily to success because that world is, who knows what success is in, in Western Eastern world is completely different, but to fulfillment and finding your purpose through being active and standing up for what you believe in. And even if you, what you believe in is can change. It's not like you have to believe the same thing for the rest of your life. Today, you believe this tomorrow. You may believe something else. It's fine. Uh, explore. The last thing I would tell my kids is to sit still, never sit still, sit still for meditation. Yes. <laughs> sit still to pause, but explore. It's better to choose action than non-action. And sometimes choosing action is risky. And sometimes choosing action, you know, makes you, puts you in a vulnerable position, but that's how you challenge yourself. That's how you evolve. That's how you learn. And learning is not from social media because that's past. Every, all the information that we are inundated with every day is past. How do you focus on the present and the future is by being present. By being present is being aware of who you are, what your purpose is, and how you are going to accomplish it. And forget about what people think of you, what people say, and what people this or that. It's not important. If you're truthful to your heart and your intuition and to, to your identity, your ever-changing identity, just say it and, you know, stand firm. That's my advice for young and old people. You know, it's all the same, right? right. Connecting to who we are and showing who we are and showing up and standing up. Thank you so much for your incredible insight, your time, your words. Um, you definitely have fans and support within our Mindful Warrior team. I look forward to continue watching you throughout the rest of your career. Um, I greatly appreciate the courageous work that you're doing uh, within the world and the impact that you're making. Um, and again, just really appreciate your, your time and, and your thoughts that you shared here with us today. Thank you. Your questions were outstanding and uh, really deep and thought-provoking and uh, I enjoyed it. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. Best of luck. Thank you to those who joined us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Michelle as we discussed the delicate design and approach to producing an award-winning documentary, the skills she has cultivated through her line of work, and her call to action for those developing their own voice in the world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take the opportunity to share with a friend, follow Mindful Warrior Radio, and leave a review. To learn more about Mindful Warrior and Mindful Warrior Radio, please follow us on Instagram at The Real Mindful Warrior and check out our website at www.mindfulwarrior.com. I look forward to our next discussion here on Mindful Warrior Radio.